Let's Go Racing Family Podcast, sharing our love for NASCAR, running, and just racing through life. Hosted by Sebastian, Giovanni, Karen, Tony, and me, Johan. Each week, we'll talk about our view of the world through the lens of racing. This week, we were treated with two very fun races. Um, First, the Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 500 at Martinsville Speedway under the lights. Um, And here's the recap for it. It was a historic first night at this wonderful track. It was, again, a race under the lights. Why was it historic? Because it was the first time we were going under the lights, which we were racing at nighttime in Martinsville, which is... We NASCAR has never done that before, and it was a lot of fun to see. I thought that was kind of interesting. I actually did not know that when they had announced that it was the first night race. I kind of was surprised because I figured, oh my goodness, I there had to have been, but no, there have always been day races, and this was the first time. Besides that, from a racing standpoint, what happened? I think Joey did really well. Joey Logano was insanely dominant. Uh, he took the lead after um, uh, after that incident and had dominated stage one. He had lapped all but 17 cars in only 60 laps. That is insane, considering he, ha- he lapped more than half the field. And he actually went to win the stage. And we also saw Boyer. He was starting to um, get a little bit stronger near the end of uh, stage one. So to put that in perspective, there were 39 cars that raced in that race. And he lapped all but 17. So he lapped over 22, 23 cars. And guess who finished third in stage one? Who? My guy, Jimmy Johnson. Your guy, Jimmy Johnson. And, um... Don't get confused with the head coach, Jimmy Johnson. Yes, but that'll come back. That'll that'll be in the next uh, our next race. In fact, Johan, something important happened with Jimmy in stage two, right? Yeah, he won the stage because um, I think uh, it was either during the stage or when the rate when the stage started that um, he passed Logano, and then um, the other drivers started to pass him. Like, um, Jimmy pulled away, and then he started lapping drivers and won the stage. So, first part of the race, I'm thinking, hey, Giovanni's going to be really happy by the time the night ends because this guy was winning and won the first stage. Then he started to fade back a little bit. Then all of a sudden, Jimmy Johnson looked like he had the dominant car, and I'm thinking, all right, I guess Johan's going to have an exciting night because his guy's going to win. But inevitably, his guy started to fall back a little bit. And then who ended up taking it home for us? Truex Jr. Martin Truex Jr. ended up coming home in the last stage, leading the final 130 laps, taking a victory. Yay. There's something that like... At least we got a cool light show out of it. <laughs> yeah. So not a lot of excitement. Karen, any thoughts on Martin Truex Jr. taking it home for a win? Well, I thought the race was fun. Honestly, up until Truex took the lead and then it was just nobody was catching up to him or passing him. So I was pretty bummed with the uh, finish of that race. Uh, But I did think that uh, there were a lot of strong cars that I think should have finished higher than they did. 
So like John, uh, Jimmy Johnson fell back and uh, Bubba was up there for a while too. And we were really rooting for him with his um, Black Lives Matter car. And he fell back as well. And then Boyer was up too. So all of these cars that were running really well ended up not finishing as high as I thought they should have finished. So that was a little disappointing because I thought they were all doing really great. Uh, I thought that all these cars, like I, I think my disappointment was that all of these cars were that I just mentioned and like Ryan Blaney and Joey Logano, they were all so fast and were doing so well and they all kind of just slowed down. Like after Martin Truex passed them, that was it. Nobody could catch up to him. And well, and the other thing too is that he was almost going to join his other teammates and being like a lap or two down, but somehow he Somehow, I remember he missed the violation line and uh, came into the. Who is this we're talking about? Martin Shirks Jr. He came in. He's about to get left. So he he, came into the violation line. He didn't pass the commitment commitment line the way he was supposed to, got penalized, and I don't know how he just didn't fall a lap down. He but also had da- he also had to repair damage as yes, well. Yes, he was in the pits to repair damage. That's where it was like, well, why didn't he fall a lap down? So I thought all of the um, Joe Gibbs racers were going to be, or drivers were all going to be, one, two, three laps down. Well, it was it was kind of an interesting race. What with all the different drivers moving back and forth, who wants to take us through the top five, and then Johan, you want to take us through the Let's Go Racing Family Five, and we're going to explain what that is. Who are the top five finishers? For well, this? the top five finishers in this race was at fifth, Chase Elliott, Joe Logano finishing fourth, Ryan or uh, Brad Keselowski in third, Ryan Blaney second, and Martin Truex Jr. with the win. Well, can I say something? Yeah, I think it was a little um um half of Penske's fault that Truex won because um during that Brad and Joey were battling and Joey was in the lead. Brad bumps Logano and then Lajoy squeezes Logano or Lajoy and Brad squeeze Logano out. That makes um they um they both get um they both slow down and then here comes Truex passes Elliot into third and then he's able to get around Brad and Joey. Well, I mean, I know you guys are disappointed that Joey didn't win the race, but he still finished fourth. That's pretty respectable. I mean, that's pretty that's pretty decent. Now, uh, who wants to take us through the Let's Go Racing Family Five? So what what is the Let's Go Racing Family Five? The Let's Go Racing Family Five is our five favorite drivers and how they did during the race. All right, so who you want to tell everybody who our family five are? Our family five is Ryan Blaney for mom, Clint Boyer for dad, Kyle Busch for me, Joey Logano for Gio, and Jimmy Johnson for Johan. All right, so again, though, I love Clint. I think he's good. He's going to be my guy for the rest of the year. We'll see what happens next year. Uh, So, um, But he didn't do so well. He finished in 17th. I thought he was up there. But he, he was did. another he had one. A strong car. He was at one point. I think he was second. Did he finish second? And yeah, he stage finished second one. in stage one. So yeah, he had a strong car, but he faded all the way back to seventeen. Yeah, that's why I said all these cars that were up in the front, they should have finished higher than they did. Well, your guy didn't do so bad. Well, himself. no, he no. Finished second. Ryan Blaney finished second, so I'm happy with that. Well, Kyle, Kyle Busch, what did? How did he do? Because we haven't really talked he about him. He didn't do good. He was one of those twenty-something cars that were passed that were lapped by Logano. And I knew as soon as that happened, his day was done. Did he he, have any mechanical problems? No, he just didn't run really well. He got 19th. He usually does well. How many of these grandfather clocks does he have? 
I think at least two. I was gonna say, so this is not like it's a track he hasn't done well. He usually does really well in the in the short tracks. And then we already talked about Joey. He finished fourth. And then Johan, what about Jimmy Johnson? We heard that he was up there. He won a stage, but then what ended up happening? Uh, uh, I think it was um, a pit stop happened. He uh, took him and Ryan Blaney took no tires. And then he's and then the restart for the last stage, he started to fade back, but then Blaney didn't fade back. And then um, he had, Blaney had a little trouble, and then Jimmy just started to fade. And then he um, faded to 10th, and then when we had five laps to go, um, battled Bubba for 10th. And he ended up bringing it home at 10th. Wow. Well, I mean, okay, so this was the Wednesday night race. Remember, we had two races this past week. And so now we roll into Sunday. Where were they racing on Sunday? Well, we were treated to the Dixie Vodka 400 at Homestead Miami Speedway. Again, Homestead was switched around with Phoenix as a championship race. So we're going to be seeing Homestead more in the earlier parts of the season. And um, the we uh, at the beginning of the race, we had the Jimmy and Jimmy show. Now, who's Jimmy and Jimmy? You mean Jimmy Johnson and Jimmy Johnson? Yep. Which Jimmy Johnson are we talking about? Jimmy Johnson. The coach? Or the driver. Or the driver. So Jimmy Johnson, the coach, the the fame and the Hall of Fame coach, uh, both in the NFL and then also the championship winning coach at the University of Miami, Jimmy Johnson. He actually, I think he still lives down in Miami. That's why they grabbed him to be the uh, the Grand Marshal. And then Jimmy Johnson before the race. What was significant for Jimmy Johnson, the driver? That he, um at Atlanta, he got to say the um the um famous words on most sports. No, but. At this Miami race, what did they do for him at this track? He got Tunnel 3 named after him. And man, has Jimmy been getting a couple of uh, racetrack parts named after him. You want to know a fun fact about what the Jimmys have in common? What? They both like to beat Joe Gibbs and his team. Yeah, I thought that was kind of funny when they mentioned that. They're both like beating Joe Gibbs. So... All right, so this car, this race was Sunday, and we were getting ready to watch it. Unfortunately, it was one of those where they got a few laps in, then there was a rain delay, then there was lightning, and this and that. I mean, in total, the race started at like 4 o'clock, and we didn't even finish watching the race until 10.45. And we kept switching back and forth, watching, you know, whatever programming they had. Uh, so... Gio, why don't you take us through what happened uh, for the race and and what was uh, what was the top five? This was actually the first race to have fans back, but uh, only very limited. It was first responders in the area, and it was limited to one thousand. Actually, I think it, it might was, have been military. It was military based. Oh, military. military base. That's that's close to the track. Yeah, just one thousand fans were invited, and um, well, this race had a uh, I believe. This is the second driver to win all three stages, and this was Denny Hamlin. He somehow managed to take the entire race, and uh, he had a pretty strong car that race. Uh, okay, but it was frustrating, though, for me because he wasn't dominant the entire stage until close to the end. Yeah, that did actually because kind of happen, and that actually, actually, Mom well, actually has a good I point. I mean, I just, I, I'm going to have to dispute that. 
I know you're not much of a Denny Hamlin fan, and I know you're, you know, but the reality is there were seven leaders uh, at, at some point. There were seven different drivers that led the Miami race. He led the most laps. He led five times for 137 laps. And there were, uh, I can't do the math right now, but I think what were there 267 laps uh, for the track. So he led over half and he led and he won all three stages. Yeah, but he wasn't. He wasn't leading all those three stages the whole time. No, I mean, he actually came. uh, What was it? Stage one or two? Ryan Blaney pretty much dominated the entire stage. And then like the last like 15 laps or something like that. Denny Hamlin took over and then won the stage and took it out of out of his hands. So he did it for both stages, one and two. That's Sebastian. What's your favorite quote from Spider-Man? With great power comes great responsibility. So the man had a strong car and he could drive it up whenever he wanted. Doesn't mean that he had to use it all the time at all that power. And he I mean, he he had a dominant car. I I mean, I I'm not, you know, a Denny Hamlin fan necessarily, but I can't deny what I saw and I can't deny what the I'm stats not saying he didn't me. have a, a dominant car. I've never said that. What I said was that he wasn't dominating all three stages. Yes, he won them, but he wasn't dominating all three stages. Maybe the third one. I'll give him the third one because in the third one, I think all it seems like all the other cars got a little tired or and he pretty much took the lead. But for stage one and two, he was not the lead, like the dominant driver. Well, I think he's proven over his career. He knows how to win in this track. I mean, he's won three times. He's one of the only drivers that's won multiple times um, because, again, it was the championship. So he won the year he won his. Uh, he won the year that he. I think he's one of a couple of drivers that's won, but ne- didn't win the championship. And so I believe it was his third win in Miami for his career, and it was his fortieth win in his entire career at the Cup level, which tied him with Mark Martin. Uh, who is considered a Hall of Fame driver. So, again, I know you're not a huge Denny Hanlon fan, but, you, you you know, you hate the player, but you can't hate the game because he he's he's really good, and he showed it. And the um, crew chief did say that this is a championship team, and it is true. He's won three times this season, five if you include his iRacing wins. He is going to be a big competitor for the playoffs this season. The top five was Denny Hamlin comes in first. Chase Elliott, I think he would have won if he didn't smack the wall. And then th- um, third was Ryan Blaney. Ryan Blaney did really good. Then fourth, I was rooting for Tyler Reddick because Tyler Reddick um, is one of my favorite rookies because I am re- I really like these rookies like Christopher Bale, Cole Custard, John Hunter Nemechek. Tyler Reddick. I really um, like them. I was really hoping Tyler Reddick would lead his first lap in his career or will get his first win because he is a two-time champion at this track and a two-time winner at this track in the Xfinity Series. Well, he did really good. He came in fourth. I know you were really excited when, who was it he passed and uh, mom was not happy. I think it was Ryan Brillini. I think he passed Ryan Blaney at one time at one point and you started yelling and screaming and you're all excited. Mom's like, what are you doing? Why are you rooting for him? And it was Tyler Reddick. So, yeah, he he was up there. He drives the number eight car. Number but eight in car. the Xfinity series, he drove the two car. Who does he drive for? 
Um, it's um the same team as Austin Dillon. So Richard Children. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty cool. And then fifth was Eric Amarola. And where did Eric Amarola go to school? Uh, UCF. Yeah, he's a UCF knight like your mom and I. All right, so in terms of the Let's Go Racing Family Five, we already talked about Ryan Blaney. But Karen, where did he finish? Third. Uh, and he had a pretty good car. I think it was, um, you know, it's interesting of the Penske cars. He seems to be right now the one that's got it put together. I mean, he's been the most consistent over the last few races. I mean, he finished Definitely. second in, in uh, Martinsville, and then he brings it home with the third. Two di- completely different types of tracks, and he's, he still fin- finishes top three in both. Uh, my guy, Clint Boyer, again, at times you're thinking he's going to be up there, and he kind of went back. I didn't really remember him being up at the front or leading at, at any point during this race. Um, but he still managed to finish the top 11. So that was pretty good. And Sebastian, where did your driver finish? Kyle Busch got the sixth position. He was similar to Clint Boyer as he was um, not really in the front, but he was running up there. He was a big top 10 car and got six. So baby steps to the win eventually. Where did Jimmy Johnson finish? Oh, uh, um, 16. Um, cause, um, he was running up there, I think, like in time, the top 10. And then, um, Joey Logano and Jimmy Johnson, um, I think it was the start of stage two. They went out of pits to, like, repair some damage. And NASCAR, um, said that NASCAR needed those two drivers to repair some damage. They fell back. They were, like, a lap down. And then late in the race, Jimmy works his way up to, um, to 16th, and then that's where he finishes. So I, I, I'm hoping Jimmy can pull together, a, a, you know, a couple of wins before the season's up. You know, 16th isn't exactly where, where we thought he would finish. I mean, he's won that race before, clearly. He's won... Um, Nine times. Well, How many times has he won at Homestead? Oh, I thought you were talking about Martinsville. No, 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 no Homestead. Oh, one, um, 2016. That's the only time he actually won it? Yeah, because remember when he won... The first six championships, it was it was different. Okay, okay, okay. That's right. That's right. Wow, that is interesting. I I would have sworn he would have won more than that. But in any event, uh, we'll see. I mean, he's still seven times, so he'll he'll probably put something together. Geo, I didn't hear much about Joey. Uh, I had a bad day at Homestead. Got twenty seventh. Yeah, you were. It's funny because when you're watching a race, you can tell when Joey's not doing well because Geo is not really into it. He's like. He's on his phone or he's playing his switch. And um, and I, I can kind of tell, like, Joey mustn't be doing well. Uh, I actually wanted to talk about something real quick. And I think we're going to talk more about it over the coming weeks, which I think is really it's one of the things that makes NASCAR fun are these rivalries. Uh, I don't want guys to hate each other, but I do like to see the competitiveness come out with these drivers. And I'm starting to see more and more Joey um, and, and Chase Elliott. I think that's been really fascinating uh, the way that that's kind of developed over the past couple of weeks. You know, they had their run in at, was it Bristol where Joey was leading and then Chase and him got into it. Well, Joey hasn't forgotten about that. And in it wasn't it this race where. Yeah, but the thing that, okay, so I feel like people are instigating that because yes, he hit him, but why would Joey do that when he was like a lap or two down? Because he wanted to prove a point. He's upset that he messed up his day at Bristol. 
He had a winning I car I thought you said last week that they would talk it over and get over it. Well, guess what? Apparently they didn't. Because if you watch that race and you watch that he was laps down and Chase Elliott is running for the lead and, and Joey is just, he's not giving him any leeway. Well, have you even maybe thought about Joey didn't want to go under another lap to try and fight his way back guys, onto the lead lap? But guys. if we're going to be talking about retaliation, he could have done it at Martinsville. They were both running up there. I'm not what talking about what I what I don't see a point in the the instigating. Oh, that Joey's retaliating is because it makes no sense. He was. One or two laps down, chases on the lead lap. Why are you going to not like wreck the guy because he, he one, did something to you? If one, he raced- I never said you tried to wreck. Well, that's what people are he, saying. Well, that's people. That's not me. I'm not saying he's trying to wreck him. I'm just saying he wanted he wanted to remind Chase of what happened at Bristol, and he was not going to give him any leeway to pass him. And he raced him harder than I think he should have, being multiple laps down. Against another driver. Now, he was he one lap down. He didn't pull a Matt Kenseth, okay? He didn't go try and literally wreck him. I get that. But at the end of the day, he didn't have to race him as hard as he did in that particular position. And he was not, he was, come on, guys. I, I mean, I know you guys love I'm Joey sorry. Logano. I beg to differ. I think that everybody's making mountains out of molehill with this one. But because- this is what makes NASCAR fun. When you have these drivers that are into it, look, at the end of the day, which is fine. If Chase is a really good other, driver. Joey's a championship level. I want to see this kind of stuff because guess what? During the next race, especially, and I don't want to jump the gun, so I'm not even going to say where we're going, but the race that we're going to, you better believe every time those two cars get near each other, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit up because I'm going to say, you know, this is, this is going to be interesting. And you know where we're going. You need help. It's just going to make it fascinating. And and then I actually have some news that I'm going to share with you about the all-star race and how interesting that's going to be. But I'm going to tell you about that. And that race will be fascinating to see them racing close to each Here's other. Here's my problem with this whole retaliation thing that everybody's talking about. It's not retaliation. They're driving okay. hard against that each other. That is what is being said. It was retaliation from what happened at Bristol. But as a driver, it's like Larry McReynolds said. The best form of retaliation, when the whole uh, Kyle Busch and Chase Elliott thing went down, the best form of retaliation is not to go out on the track and like plow over the person or put him in the wall. The best type of retaliation is to beat that person. Well, then go back and tell Joey that and go back and rewatch those those laps where he was two laps down, had no chance of 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 really competing with Chase. And yet he was giving him no quarter. He was like right on his bumper and actually even was bumping him. And I think even loosened him up a little bit. Again, I don't think he was intentionally trying to wreck him, but I do believe Joey Logano was trying to send a message. Regardless, if you think that's, you want but to call that even, retaliation or not. Do you even remember he when was set, he was sending a message? But do you and remember? That makes it fun. Do you remember when Joey Logano just wanted a simple apology at the race? He wasn't going to go take him out. I get it. And guess what? He wasn't happy. All I'm saying, guys, is I think it's going to be fascinating. I love this kind of stuff. This is what makes the the, the racing fun. They're gonna you want guys out there that are going to be like, you know what? I'm going to beat this guy. You know, and we talked about this before. My favorite driver of all time was Dale Earnhardt Senior. 
And you know what? I wasn't a Jeff Gordon fan at all when he came out there because he was competing and he wasn't afraid and he was going to go after Dale. And Dale was like wanting to beat him and every and it was like and it raised the sport. And I think these kinds of rivalries bring out the best in the sport. You want the best of the sport competing at each other. The NBA was at its height when Michael Jordan had rivals that would go after him when he was playing against Karl Malone and he was playing against Reggie Miller. I mean, we just saw the last dance, you know, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird. You want these things. And I think it's actually something that is good for the sport and it it brings interest. So anyway, I just think it's something to watch for and I'm looking forward to it. Before we jump to next week, I wanted to talk to mom about the city of Miami. We sometimes like to talk about travel around the cities that are closest to the track. So Miami is about 35 miles from the Homestead Miami Speedway. Tell us about Miami, Karen. Yeah, so the Homestead race is a good one to plan a vacation around because you can go to the track and like Tony said, it's it's only 35 miles from Miami. And of course, in Miami, you've got, you know, beautiful beaches like South Beach. You have amazing Cuban food. Every time we go to the Homestead race, we always go to Miami and we go to have Great Cuban food at one of our favorite restaurants. There's two of them, actually. Versailles and La Carreta. Great Cuban food. So if you're ever in Miami, I definitely recommend those restaurants. And those are, those are like famous, famous. I mean, they were in movies and stuff. Yes. Versailles was in Fast and the Furious. The yeah. Too Fast, Too Furious. So, uh, yeah. And um, we every time we go there, we also, you know, we never leave without our Cuban espresso called the Cortadito. Mm-hmm. It's it's become so addicting. That's what your Mother's Day present was. Yes, I get to make them now at home. Uh, there's a lot of fun nightlife. If you you know enjoy being up at night, there's lots of music and things going on. The port for cruise lines is also there right in Miami. In right fact, across that, the street from Bayside. Yes, exactly from Bayside. There's lots to do like Bayside. Uh, Tony and I actually on our very first cruise, that's where we left from, from Miami. So it's pretty cool. It's a really big port. There's lots of cruise ships. And if you're at the beach, you can see the cruises as they go out. Uh, There's just a lot. And if you're, there's a lot to do in Miami. So I think this is a great race to plan a vacation around. And if you're brave, you can venture out to Key West, which is under a three hour drive. From Miami? From Miami. Yeah, so there's a lot to do in that area. It's a really fun uh, race, and it's a really great place to visit. There's so much to do. It's just great atmosphere. And I actually think it's kind of cool. We were talking a little bit about this race this past weekend because it's, it, I mean, we're in June, and they're running, and it's it's muggy. It's, you know, it's 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 humid. You got the bugs and all that. I mean, it's it's not exactly, you know, pristine, but... The original idea is that the race will run in March. In March, exactly. And so and that's a great time. One to of the come things that Miami. we had talked about was, ooh, we should go on a cruise and when we get back, go to the Miami, um, I mean, sorry, the Homestead race. Yeah. That would have been like, so just I think the it's, perfect. yeah, I think I agree with you. I think it's a really cool place. Uh, it's a great racetrack. Uh, it's, it's, again, it is 35 miles from the city of Miami. At the end of the day, Miami is a great city. Like Karen said, great food. We've always had a good time. We stayed near South Beach. And even if you're not into clubs and things like that, it's beautiful to just walk along that walkway and that beachway at night because there's just so much going on and nightlife. Yes, no doubt. Miami is a very beautiful place. 
Well, I've been to Miami like um, a couple times, three times it was for the Homestead races. And like, if you want to go see the Miami Dolphins Stadium, you can. If you want to see the baseball stadium, it's in the middle of the city. Um, or um, it's nice to get a boat and um, drive your boat in there. In yeah, Miami. we had a family member that uh, we got to do that too. That was pretty cool. Now, we weren't in Miami. We were in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, but still, that's the way to go visit is to to see the, that area of South Florida by water. And um, um, uh, if you can look, um, there's a seafood restaurant um, in the lake um, where you take your boat. Yeah, that was kind of cool. We went to the we were on someone's boat and they took us to a restaurant, and the only way to get there was by boat. So that was and like cool. you can do that on like, the Saturday, and then the next day. You can go to Miami to the Miami race. So what are you describing? That was basically what we did last November, wasn't it? Yep. And we went Saturday, we went out boating, and then Sunday we headed to the track, and we watched the championship and watched Kyle Busch win his second championship last year. And then Monday we went to go eat great Cuban food. At? Versailles. Versailles. And we had our little cortadito. All right. So now we, we're done talking about Miami. Sebastian, where are we going next week? Next week we are going to the Super Speedway Talladega. Alabama. The Geico 500. So this is our first restrictor plate race since the restart of the season. Um, I think that they said they're going to have some more fans. Uh, I think these are going to be first responders and people that live within, I think it's like 150 mile radius or something like that. Because uh, I was just curious when I saw that they were going to have fans there. I went and looked it up and unfortunately we live too far. So we're not going to be eligible to go. But uh, they're starting to kind of open that up a little bit. There won't be any practice. There won't be any qualifying, similar to the other races. Uh, so that'll be kind of interesting because for a restrictor plate, we know how crazy that 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 track can be. So I'm actually pretty excited to watch it um, on Sunday. So we are introducing a new segment called Race Picks, inspired by the wriggle picks that are done during the NFL Sunday programs. We will be picking a driver that we think might be doing well. The way the points work is that if this driver is the winner, you get three points. If it's a top five, two points. And top ten, one point. And we'll figure out some kind of prize. But this is a way we'll have a little bit of competition and we can kind of see who actually has their hand on the pulse of NASCAR. I like to think I do. So this will be a nice little competition. So Sebastian, who are you going to start with this week? I am going to go with William Byron. All right. So William Byron for Sebastian. Gio? You know, I'm going to get a little wild for this race, as this race is a pretty wild race in nature. And this is really anybody's race. So you know what? I'm going to put down Ryan Newman. Ryan Newman. Wow. That would uh, be almost storybook for the way the his season started in Daytona and then to turn around and pull off a win in Talladega, that would be pretty cool. I'm going super wild because it's anybody's race. I think it's Timmy Hill's day. Timmy Hill. Holy That's cow. a wild pick. All right. All right. Now, I mean, he, he could do it. He could do it. This is, you know, I like to say the restrictor plate races are the equalizing races because you may not have the strongest, you know, equipment for a lot of the other uh, tracks, but for some reason in restrictor plates, the cars are are a lot closer together. And so, you know, I think drivers have a little bit. More yeah. I remember one year that at Daytona, um, 
there was just a on the first stage, like half of the good drivers were taken out because they were all fighting for position. Yeah. So you never know. All right. Well, I was going to say if we got to pick a wild card, he was going to be my wild card. Really? Timmy Hill. All right. But I'm actually going to go with Ryan Blaney, not only because he's my favorite, but because he's won at Talladega before and he almost won the Daytona 500. So he's really good at the restrictor plate races. All right. So I'm going to and I feel like I'm going to just be a homer here, but I'm going to go with Boyer. I think he did well. He's he was practically what was the race we were watching a couple weeks ago? I racing. Uh, no, no, no. It was a Dega race. And I think it was a race that Jimmy Johnson won. And I think some I think Boyer was up there anyway. Boyer. Was it, Boyer was it, um, is it that one race where they had like the three wide finish of the two drivers? Yeah. Wasn't and Boyer Johnson up there? Did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was yeah. A 33 yeah. with Harvick. And then um, Dale and um, Jimmy went um, had room and it was a dragway for Jimmy and Boyer. And Jimmy, Jimmy ended wanted up wanting by a few seconds. Yeah. So I actually think. That's great. I think Boyer is going to get his first win on Father's Day this year. And I'm super excited it's going to happen in Talladega. So that's my pick for the for our uh, first round of race picks. We'll see how badly we all did when we come back next week. <laughs> I hope Timmy Hill wins. And now it's Tony's Six Degrees of NASCAR, where Tony tries to connect pop culture with NASCAR in less than six degrees of separation. So this week, it's going to be Sebastian who is giving me the person that I need to connect to NASCAR in less than six degrees of separation. Seabass, who is it? My pick is going to be Disney icon Josh Gad, who we recently saw in Artemis Fowl, now on Disney Plus. <laughs> Although this is not sponsored by Disney Plus. But we do encourage it, you to get it. We do encourage you to get it because we did watch the movie. We thought it was pretty cool. So Josh Gad, yes, he is one of Disney's biggest stars. He's best known probably for his role as the voice of Olaf in Frozen. And also playing LeFou in the live-action Beauty and the Beast. Very talented guy. Uh, I think during the COVID, he actually did was reading like bedtime stories to kids. And then he started bringing stars and movies that we all love together at, for reunions. And what were some of those movies? He's done Lord of the Rings, Back to the Future. Goonies. He, Goonies. He just did... Um, he just did Ghostbusters, and next week will be Ferris Bueller. Oh, that's pretty cool. So Josh Gad, he's been in Hollywood 18 years, but he's also from Hollywood. Hollywood, Florida. He's actually, that's where he was born, and which is 20 miles outside of Miami. So he's actually was born closer to Miami than the Homestead Miami Speedway is. So he's a big Miami sports fan, but that's not how I'm going to connect him. I checked and I couldn't find anywhere where he was a Grand Marshal or even played a role in NASCAR. So I had to dig deep for this one. Well, Josh Gad's TV film career, like I said earlier, started about 18 years ago in 2002. And he had his television debut on the legendary medical drama known as ER. I was thinking mom might have got that. That was in 2005. He appeared in an episode in, in that in that season. Well, you know who else appeared in an episode of ER that se- season? Stanton Barrett. 
as a stunt driver and he did a stuntman. And remember, we already talked about that, that he is a Hollywood stuntman and a NASCAR driver. So Stan Barrett is how I connect Josh Gad to NASCAR in less than six degrees. Oh my goodness. Another one degree with Stanton Barrett. With Stanton Barrett. With Stanton Barrett. Got to go back to the well. All right. Well, we're getting close to the end of the show. Um, but of course, this is our segment called Racing Through Life. Uh, sometimes it can be a little bit serious, especially because it's the backdrop uh, sometimes of what we talk about is what's going on in the world and how do we view it and how do we think about it as a family. Well, what was the big, big news that came out Wednesday, the same night that they had the race at Martinsville? Do you guys remember? The Confederate flag was banned from the racetracks. Yeah, I'll I'll actually read the statement. They said, NASCAR announced the presence of the Confederate flag runs contrary to their commitment or to NASCAR's commitment of providing a welcoming and inclusive environment for all fans. And so basically they said, we're not going to allow that flag to to fly. Now, for for Johan, who hasn't really studied history just yet, uh, and, and, and Gio, I think you studied it, and Sebastian, you studied it. There was a time in our country, long, long, long time ago, where our country nearly tore itself apart in a civil war. So that meant people that were once part of one country decided we were they wanted to split the country in half. And you had basically the Union or the North, and then you had the Confederates in the South. And the Union was fighting for keeping this country together and also to free the slaves. And those in the South didn't want that to happen. And so their flag was the Confederate flag. And so, of course, we all know, right? Thank God, you know, Abraham Lincoln, Ulysses S. Grant, they made sure that they we kept this country together and we got through that. It was a, it was a dark time in our history, um, but it happened and it is, it is part, an important part of our history. But there are a lot of people that like to use that flag as a symbol and they call it a symbol of Southern pride that it's their rebels. And the reality is that, you know, it hurts people because of what it represents. And unfortunately, when NASCAR made the announcement, there were people that were upset and, and, and said, I'm not going to watch NASCAR anymore. I don't think that was the majority, believe it or not, but it was allowed amount of people uh it was probably a loud minority you could say of people that were 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 saying that their rights were being trampled on and all this and that but at the end of the day i think nascar did something that was bold it was risky but i think it was important because we love nascar and we're not and we said this before we're not your traditional nascar family or fans we all come from very different backgrounds as a family than most NASCAR fans. And I think that's great. You know, I think it's good to have people from different backgrounds. We love cars. We love racing. And I think that there is a lot of appeal in NASCAR that people don't even realize. I mean, you think about how many cars there are in the world. It is the second, uh, for a lot of folks, it's the it's the second highest investment or or purchase that they will ever make in their life. You know, a house is usually number one and typically a car. And so you spend a lot of money and a lot of time in cars and there are people that like to see them race. And I, and, and, you know, so anyway, I think that if you want to go mainstream with a NASCAR and grow the sport beyond its traditional fan base, 
you needed to do this. You needed to take this important step. And I'm proud of NASCAR for doing it. And yeah, it was important. And a lot of people, even though there were some that disagreed with it, there were some people who praised this choice. Yeah, actually, I was reading a lot of the comments from the post that NASCAR did on Instagram. And I was I, I, I clicked on the comments because I was ready to start rolling my eyes. I'm not going to lie. Because I was going to start, I, I figured that there would be a lot of negative comments. And shockingly enough, like most of the comments were pretty positive. There were those few yes who said, oh, my rights are de- being taken away and this is history and all this stuff. But one particular um, comment that caught my eye was this guy said that he had just become a NASCAR fan about a month ago. And I'm guessing it was probably because of the iRacing and especially because nothing was going on. No sports were going on. But he said, because of this, he said, NASCAR, you now have my full attention. And I think that's really bold. And I think it's a good thing because when we're talking about something like the Confederate flag, people can say that, oh, it's Southern history. But the reality is that flag stands for something. It's it's a symbol of something. And I'm going to be honest with you, when I've been to races and I see cars with the Confederate flag or uh, RVs and I see the Confederate flag, I roll my eyes because to me, that means something. That is something that is not good. To me, yeah, that is a symbol for us that is bad. And it it's almost like say in other countries, flags that represented something, a bad time in their history, people were just waving it around like, oh, this is pride for me. Like, that's not how it, that shouldn't be done. Yeah, uh, things that symbolize bad things in history uh, shouldn't be allowed. And for the most part, things like that are not, you know, um, shown or flown or, uh, given the attention. So, yeah, I don't think the Confederate flag should be either. Um, there was actually a quote that Marty Smith said um, that it's this. NASCAR is not closing a door on you. NASCAR is only opening up the door to everyone. Yeah, that's a pretty cool wow. quote. That is really good. That was, that was that was so good that a lot of people started quoting him and obviously giving him credit. So we want to do the same. Marty Smith on ESPN said that. Big NASCAR fan and uh, or reporter, and and now he does all kinds of sports. But yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty insightful. And that's the honest – that's why they did it. They want the sport to grow. We don't want the sport to be divisive and, well, and kind they of push also don't want away. The, NASCAR doesn't want the sport to be defined by in a certain way because – Yes, NASCAR has its roots in the South. That's where it started. But like anything, it evolves and it grows. And NASCAR realizes that it is not, you know, this like inclusive, you know, sport. It's diversifying itself and it's growing. And people who are learning about it and are watching it are coming to like it. They enjoy the sport. You know, I think it's it's interesting because some arguments people will make is ah NASCAR is getting rid of their their they're distancing themselves from the people that made the sport or or they're trying to become something they're not. And my argument against that would actually be this next story related to all this that you know I, it's it's pretty pretty well known, but I actually I don't think any of you guys know it about the icons of the sport, right? 
what bigger name besides maybe Petty is there in NASCAR? Earnhardt. There's no bigger name than Earnhardt, right? I mean, you got Dale Sr., you got Dale Jr., and then you got his kids who do a lot of other things, like Kelly Earnhardt was, you know, a team owner and all that. Well, I was nervous to read about Dale. And what would Dale say in this situation, right? Well, a few years ago on her podcast, Kelly Earnhardt has a, has a, had a podcast called Fast, Fan, Fast Lane Family. And so I don't think she's done a, a recent episode since 2017, but it, they have quite a few episodes that's been out there. And, you know, she was um, answering questions from people and, and, and telling stories about her dad. And so she told the story about how one day her dad came home. Again, this is Dale Sr. we're talking about. And he had a bumper sticker. And the bumper sticker had the rebel flag on it. It had it said something along the lines of, you know, American born by the grace of God, Southern bread or something like that. It's about Southern pride, you know, and, you know, he Dale Earnhardt is like is was, even as he became the most successful driver in all of NASCAR, he still was Dale Earnhardt. Like he was still true to who he was, you know, still lived on a farm. And, and that was where he spent his time. And he did not change who he was. He had a lot of money. I didn't change who he was and anybody that knew Dale and everything I've read and, and, and learned about him as just a, a man, not just the driver would, would say the same thing. Dale was Dale. You go to his museum and you go and see the things that were important to him. He was the same guy. So you can't say he changed because of his success. Right. So anyway, as the story goes, he has this bumper sticker with the rebel flag. Well, they had a, a housekeeper that worked for them for years, and I believe her name was Anne, and she's an African-American woman. And they loved that, that woman, and she loved the family. And, well, one day she, she must have seen the, the rebel flag on his truck and mentioned it to Dale's, Dale's wife at the time, uh, and who's Kelly's stepmom. Well, the next thing that Kelly remembered was that it must have got back to Dale because he's out at his truck with a razor blade and a knife and he cuts out the rebel flag. This Dale senior, you know, this is Southern pride, you know, personified in a man and Southern he, born and bred Southern born and bred, you know, and here he is cutting out that rebel flag because he knew that symbol for him. It didn't mean anything like he didn't think of it right away as something negative. But when he found out that that symbol meant something bad to someone he cared about, he went and took it off. It was offensive. It was offensive. And then, you know, Dale Jr. was asked about it. Dale Earnhardt Jr. Um, said, the South lost and that flag should only be in the history books. Yeah. Very true. Well said. Couldn't agree brother. more. So, you know, it's I know that there are people upset and they're trying to make it political and all this. At the end of the day, I don't think it's a political thing. I think it's a right or wrong thing. And I think if there's a symbol out there that means something bad to someone, then you know what? I think it's time to take that down and not let that be a stumbling block to the success of 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 the sport and to other people. And, you know, at the end of the day, the South lost. And as Dale Jr. said, that flag should only be in the history books. Giovanni, why don't you take us out?
that's going to wrap up today's episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening on it. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell down there that we get notified whenever we upload a brand new episode. Let's Go Racing Family, out.